So today we are gonna continue our greater series as we look at Jesus, who is the greatest one of all. And I think it's so important this year to focus on Jesus, especially this time of year, because in our world, if you are great, you want everybody to know it. And you want it all for yourself. I don't know if you saw this, but Shohei Otani, the, the fabulous baseball player, um, signed, yeah, he's a Dodgers fan, I'm guessing, um, signed an incredibly lucrative contract for $700 million over 10 years. Did you guys hear me? $700 million. And he is a great player. He can pitch, he can hit, he can do lefty, righty. I mean, he can do it all, right? Uh, amazing talent. And so when, when you do the math on this, this means that for every minute, Otani is getting paid $133.18 a minute. He's making more a minute than you make in an hour, right? Okay, that's a lot of money. And people are like, well, if he can get it, why not, right? Make the Dodgers pay $700 million for him over the next 10 years. Why not? Because if you're great, you should take it for yourself. That's the kind of world we live in that people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, if they have their gigantic super yachts and their 15th house that they purchase, or, or they build their own rocket ship to take them into outer space, we're like, why not? You got it, use it, okay? It, it's all about you, right? When Mark Zuckerberg buys all of uh, Hawaiian Island, you're like, oh yeah, that's fine, because if you have the money, you should use it. That's the kind of world we live in, that greatness claims it for itself. But Jesus did it differently. Jesus, who is the greatest of all, greater than everything and everyone, he lowered himself. And what we're gonna learn today is that the greater, talking about Jesus, became lesser so that we could be made greater. The greater became lesser to make us greater. And that's an important truth that we're going to see that, that when he became a human being, that he came in the flesh, the incarnation, as it's referred to by theologians, why it's so powerful. And we're going to see that with three different points from it. So in this series so far, in week one, as we've opened up the book of Hebrews, we learned that Jesus is greater than all, that he is king of all, creator of all, all glory, all God, sustainer of all, savior of all, and that he is greater than all. That's what we learned in week one. And then in, in week two, we, we saw that he's even greater than the angels, so therefore we should listen to what he has to say, because you would listen to an angel who came to talk to you, so don't drift away from Jesus, we learned in week two. And today, we are going to learn that truth that the greater became lesser to make us greater. So if you have your Bible, open with me to Hebrews chapter two, we're gonna start in verse five, and we're gonna finish Hebrews chapter two today. If you have your smartphone, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. On the bottom right-hand corner, there's a button that says more. And then in the center, it says events. Find our Rice Church Denver event. You'll see the scriptures. Take notes right there and save it onto your phone. So follow along with me. If you're joining online or in person, we're gonna start in Hebrews chapter two, verse five today. We read this. It is not to angels that he, God, has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. So he's quoting from Psalm chapter two now. He says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. So what is going on here? 
our author is quoting the Hebrew scriptures. Remember, this is a Jewish person, a Hebrew writing to other Hebrews about the faith that they believed in, why it is greater. And he is quoting the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament from Psalm chapter two, this section. And it's talking about how God created human beings. Did you know that in Genesis one, at the very beginning, right after he creates human beings, he gives us a purpose? Do you know what it is? To rule over the earth. That, that we, men and women, are supposed to rule over the earth that God has given us. That we are the highest being that is created on this earth. Of course, there are angels that are higher. That's what he's saying. We're lower than angels, but yet we're given this earth to rule over. That's why when Adam is put in the garden in chapter two of Genesis, he names every single one of the animals to show that they are subject to humans. This is how God created us, that we're smarter, that, that we have uh, emotions, that we can build things, all these things about us that God gave us to rule the earth, and yet we messed it all up. Genesis chapter three, we sin, we mess up, the world no longer is subject to us, and in fact, we're not even rulers of our own bodies. Yeah, you guys know this, Christmas time, holiday parties, cookies, chocolates, you're not even ruling your own mouth. Amen? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. It is hard to control yourself, let alone control the world around you. See, God made us just to be lower than the angels, to rule the earth, and yet we can't even do that. And that's why this psalm is saying this is the way God intended us for everything to be under our feet, and yet at the present, we do not see that. That's not the way of the world. In fact, our, the world sometimes seems completely out of control. In verse nine, our author continues. He says, but we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See, Jesus, the greater, became lesser. Though he is the creator of the universe, he's the word that God spoke and the whole universe leapt into existence. That angels served him and worshiped him. He left all that to become actually lower than the angels for a little while here on earth. Why? Verse 10, in bringing many sons and daughters, us, to glory, it was fitting that God for whom through for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Jesus became lesser, he suffered, he died, became a human in order to make us greater. To lift us back up to the place where we were supposed to be. To heal us and redeem us, to restore us. And what we're gonna see is this powerful thing. The, the reason why he became human, as theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, that, that he became human, it is only because he became like us that we can become like him. He became like us so we could become like him. The greater became lesser to make us greater. This is important for us to understand. There's a missionary who, who wanted to tell people about Jesus around the world. So his name was Cody and Cody traveled to Thailand to tell Thai college students about Jesus. When he got there one day, he was hanging out with some college students and there was a movie playing and it was a patriotic film about the king of Thailand. And they watched this whole movie and, and it was about him. And at the end of it, 
Everybody stood up to applaud and give a standing ovation to this king they had just seen on the screen. And, and he looked around, Cody said, and he could see tears streaming down the faces of people, genuine tears of joy at seeing their king in this movie. So he took one of the, the students aside afterwards, a student named Anon, and he asked Anon, like, well, why were you guys all so happy and, and you know, tears of joy for, for this king that you see? And Anon said, well, you know, our king is great. He's an amazing king because he leaves his palace to come to the villages and the towns and spend time with the people. You see, our king identifies with us and because of that, we know that he cares for us. And Cody realized that this person would understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he told him about a king who had created the whole universe. The God of everything came down to be in our villages, our towns, to spend time with us, to identify with us as human beings, to show that he cares for us. And that day, Anon accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because he got it. The greater became lesser to make us greater. So that's the truth I want you to understand very clearly today. And we're gonna see three different ways that Jesus does this. There are three different ways in our passage today in chapter two that Jesus becomes lesser to make us greater. So you guys ready for this? If you're taking notes, this might be a good time to get out that pen. Use it on, do it on your phone. The first thing that we see is that Jesus became human to adopt us as family. Jesus became human to adopt us as his family. Let's read on in chapter two, verse 11. Our author says, both the one who makes people holy, that's God, and those who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I love that line, we're gonna come back to it. That's us, brothers, sisters. And then he says, he says in verse 12, quoting again from the Old Testament, putting it on Jesus's lips, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. He quotes these scriptures again to show that Jesus became human. Here's our first point. Jesus became human to adopt us as family, right? Jesus is saying, hey, you're my brothers, you're my sisters. He's not saying that I am above you He's saying he's on the same level as us. The son of God makes us God's sons and daughters. He's saying we're adopted family, adopted brothers and sisters. This is the reason for the incarnation. You know, we have a, a couple in our church who was wanting to adopt a little girl from Taiwan. And they're heading in a couple weeks to Taiwan so they can spend time with her to get to know her to, to, to see her living situation and spend time with her. And, and it takes a while. This is a really long process. And it's taking months before this little girl will be here in the United States, but they're gonna go over there as much as they can, use up all their vacation time because they want to show this little girl that they love her, that they care about her, because that's what adoption is. It's bringing someone into the family to say, you're, you're not lower than me, you're not a servant, you're on, on the same level a brother, a sister. And that's what Jesus did for us by becoming human. I know this because our family adopted my younger brother and when he came in, he's my brother. He's my brother. And that's what Jesus does for us. He's like, you are my brother, you're my sister because I'm a human too. 
I love the line, um, or actually I wanna show you one scripture before I jump back to that line. In Galatians 4, it tells us the purpose of the incarnation, why Jesus became flesh. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus became human to adopt us into his family, to bring us in. C.S. Lewis wrote about it this way. He said, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. I love it. And I love the fact that Jesus, in verse 11, is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Have you ever been ashamed of one of your family members? Okay, don't raise your hand, especially if they're sitting next to you, okay? This happens, right? A lot of times older siblings are like ashamed of their younger siblings. Oh my gosh, what did they do this time? Sometimes kids go through that phase where they're ashamed of their parents, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about if you've got a teenager, all right? Kids, sometimes your parents are ashamed of you a little bit, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I don't wanna be seen with that kid. What is he wearing nowadays? Okay, we all have these phases. Sometimes it's the uncle. You're like, oh, don't, let's not claim him, right? We all have people that we get ashamed of. Sometimes we're ashamed of ourselves. You ever done something and you're like, why did I do that? What an idiot, I know better, yeah? You don't have to raise your hand for that one either. But you know, when you're in that phase, you're ashamed of yourself, guess what? Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother. He's not ashamed to call you sister. He loves you, even at your worst moments, even at those times you're being an idiot, okay? He, he, he likes you, he cares about you, he's like, that's my family. You are Jesus' family and he loves you. That's good news, that's good news because we don't have to carry around that shame of being unwanted or, or feeling down on ourselves. Jesus wants us and we all become part of his family, every single one of us. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, we are family. Bonus points if you sing it. <laughs> We're family and Jesus adopts us as his family if we believe in him. I find that such good news. This means that he loves us. A few years back, there was a young gal who was 19, and at Christmas time, she asked her stepdad who had raised her to adopt her. And we have this little video, it went viral, and I wanna show you just this clip. Look at his reaction when she asks this question. Okay, so you have been my dad for over 14 years, 14. I've noticed you since I was five. Usually we get double spanks. You get like 72, See, he is so overwhelmed by joy that he can barely, he can't even speak. He's so overwhelmed, those tears of joy are coming and he's so happy. That's how Jesus feels about you. He loves you. You're his child, you're his brother, you're his sister. You're adopted into the family and don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. That's the first reason why Jesus became a human, right? Why he lowered himself, why the greater became lesser so that he, he became human to adopt us as family. And the second reason is that Jesus died to free us from death. 
Jesus died to free us from death. Listen to this scripture, verse 14. It says, since the children, talking about us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Okay, I want you to understand this and let me unpack this. Jesus died so that he could free us from death. And the way this works is that in the beginning, in the garden, when the first man and first woman were there, God said, you can rule everything. There's just one thing you can't do. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil. If you do eat from it, the consequence will be that you will die. There will be death because the wages of sin is death. It's what you earn. It's the consequence. If you do something wrong, God says you have to pay the consequences and it's death. Of course, Adam and Eve ate the fruit and since then every single human being by nature, by choice, by thought, word, and deed, we've all sinned. We've all done wrong. And therefore we earn the same consequence that Adam and Eve did. The death comes to us. When God proclaimed that judgment in the garden, there was the serpent, the devil, who had tempted Adam and Eve. And with that, the serpent gained a power over them, the power of death. And we have all been in bondage to that since that day. But when Jesus suffered and died, he actually had done no wrong. He did not sin one time. He was perfect. He never once broke God's law. And yet he still suffered a sinner's death, execution, as if he were a criminal. And that doesn't make sense. And something happened in that moment that powerfully shook the power of death and defeated death, defeated Satan in that moment. C.S. Lewis tried to capture this concept in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you read the book or, or seen the movie, you know that there is a devil uh, representative and it's the white witch. She's the devil character. And then there's the Jesus character, Aslan, the lion. Well, Aslan goes in the place of a sinner and willingly says that he will die in the place of a sinner, of a traitor. So the white witch, the devil, kills Aslan, the Jesus figure. And all of Aslan's friends, there's Susan um, and Lucy there, and they're crying, they're weeping because they thought the king had died. But when they go in the morning, the stone table where Aslan had been killed on had cracked Aslan was gone and then he appeared to them. He had risen from the dead, just like Jesus rose from the dead. And when Lucy and Susan talked to Aslan, they're like, what happened? We thought the magic of death because you died would, would keep you dead. And he said, there's actually a deeper magic still that goes back beyond the foundation of the world. Where when an innocent person dies in the place of someone who has sinned, it breaks the stone table. It breaks the way the world is. And in the same way, Jesus on the cross broke the power of death. The righteous one died for the unrighteous to bring us to God. He became sin who had no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, death was defeated. The power of Satan was defeated. And that's why he says that we are set free from that. He might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. The devil's power has been broken over us. Death's power has been broken over us and we are set free from that if we believe in Jesus. Meaning though we still die, we will live for him and with him forever. There's life on the other side of death. 
This is our hope, the great hope. Just like Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, we too will rise with him to live forever. This is such good news because most of us live with a fear of death, but we don't have to anymore. And I don't just mean when you're driving on I-70 and there's that semi that's coming into your lane, right? That's the fear of death, right? In that moment. But we all live under that fear of death because we are afraid to die. We're afraid to age. That as we get older, we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm missing out. This is why people have FOMO, the fear of missing out. Because what if I don't experience that, I might never get to again. If I don't get to go on that vacation, travel to that place, if I don't find that love of my life, if I don't get to have kids, if I don't get to do this, have that accomplishment, then I've wasted my life. People gear their entire lives in order to accomplish those things, to have those moments. They'll do anything to find that moment of love. But guess what? Even if you miss out on all those things, we can live forever with Jesus in the new age to come. We'll have new bodies. I remember a few years ago when there was the shooting at the Aurora Theater, there was one of the young girls um, who, who had wanted to travel with her life. And her parents asked strangers to take some of her ashes and travel around the world so that she could see the world, even if it was after death. But let me tell you this, none of us will ever get to travel everywhere we want to go. Even if you got your bucket list, you can't accomplish all of it. You can't go everywhere. You can't stay there long enough. You can't go on the greatest vacations. We can't achieve all the things. We can't all um, have the, the marriage that we want, the kids we want, the grandkids, all of that stuff. Not everyone gets to have those things. But even if you don't, we have a life on the other side of death. And it says we're going to reign again with Jesus on the new heavens and the new earth. I love this because the places I don't get to visit in this life, I'll just go in the next. And I got eternity to travel and see it and spend as much time as I want there. So if you miss out on stuff, you don't have to fear death anymore. We get to live a completely free life. That's amazing. We are freed from death. Steve Jobs, I think, uh, understood this. At the end of his life, Walter Isaacson was interviewing him for his biography. And Walter uh, Isaacson was just talking to him about death. And Steve Jobs says, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 on belief in God. He says, wishfully, I, I, I think that, that I wish my wisdom and knowledge could live on long after I'm dead. But he said, but I think that's just wishful thinking. I think we're gonna be like a device with an on and off switch. All of a sudden, you're off. And he paused for a few minutes and then said, I think that's why I don't put an on off switch on any of my Apple devices. You thought about that? He didn't want it to be the end, but he was afraid of that. He was captured in the fear of death. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. We can live forever with Jesus to reign on this earth, to be greater like we were supposed to be because Jesus died on the cross. And if we believe in him, we can be like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was arrested by the Nazis and in a prison camp set to be hung. And when they put him up to be hanged, he said, this is the end, but for me, this is the beginning of life. It's why the great Puritan pastor, Richard Baxter, when he was sick and dying at the end, they said, how are you? And he said, almost well. It's why Eugene Peterson, who died a few years ago, his last words were, let's go. 
Because this isn't the end for us. We are freed from death because of Jesus's death. That's the second reason why Jesus lowered himself, why the greater became lesser, second reason. And the third one, if you're ready for this, is that Jesus suffered to help us in our struggles. He suffered to help us in our struggles. He didn't just die a quick death. He suffered all along the way. In verse 16, we read, for surely it is not angels he helps, Jesus, but Abraham's descendants, us, who are brought into the family of God. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He suffered to help us. That word tempt in Greek can mean tempted into sin, but it can also mean a trial. And I think it's two sides of the same coin in biblical thought. You can be tempted to, to do something wrong, but we're also sometimes tempted to unbelief in hard trials, right? So trial and temptation, that's why I said in our, in our struggles, whether it's a struggle to, to temptation to sin or to unbelief when we're struggling through something really hard. Jesus helps us in all of that through his suffering. He became human so that he could understand us and we could realize he actually does understand us. He can empathize with us. He gets us. And think about his life. He was born in a manger. I mean, that's poverty at the beginning. He had nothing. And then, turns out, the government at the time didn't like him, discriminated against him, and he and his family had to flee as refugees to another nation. Talk about suffering from the very beginning. And then he grew up, and it says that he was a carpenter, most likely a stonemason because of the region he lived in, meaning he was working hard with his hands as a blue-collar worker, getting calluses, having aches and pains for over a decade. And then when he did begin the ministry of proclaiming the good news to the world, when he preached to the people he loved and came to save, they rejected him, turned away from him, he had to deal with his friends dying and dealing with that grief. And then Jesus was arrested unjustly, put on trial with a fake trial. And then he was convicted even though he did nothing wrong. One of his best friends betrayed him with a kiss. The rest of them uh, denied him and abandoned him. And he was left alone, lonely at his worst moment in life. All alone. Then they took him stripped him naked, spit on him, mocked him. Think about the trauma he endured at the end. And then they hung him up on a cross to bleed out. He suffered the worst kind of excruciating pain emotionally and physically so that he could connect with us. Theologian John Piper says, if you think about the fact, why did Jesus have to grow up and have a broad back if not to take the whip? Why did he have a cheek if not to be kissed on and betrayed? Why did he have hands and feet if not to be pierced by nails? Why did he have a brow if not to receive the crown of thorns? And why did he have those millions of nerve endings except to feel every excruciating moment of it for us? He did it. So when we struggle, when we suffer, 
we can look at him and know he gets us, he cares about us, and he wants to help us. He wants to help us. I think that Harper Lee was right in To Kill a Mockingbird. Remember this from high school? You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb inside of his skin and walk around in it. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? And he faced temptation too. Satan himself came to him and offered him everything, offered the world to him. And after 40 days of not eating and, and drinking, he still said no. And then at the end, when he knew that suffering was gonna be the worst, and he asked God, please take this away from me. That last moment of temptation, should he turn away? He didn't. He accepted that God had, in his will, had put Jesus on the cross in our place. Jesus never once gave into temptation, never sinned, never turned away in unbelief. He was faithful till the end. And he still wants to help us because he gets us. This is such good news, guys, because even though we suffer and we turn away from God, we're angry at God, we yell at God, we curse God, we abandon God at points, we turn away in unbelief, Jesus still wants to help us. And when we give in to temptation and when we sin and, and give in to that, those things that we shouldn't do, even a hundred thousandth time and we're thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way that God will forgive me of this. Yes, he will. Jesus gets you. He suffered to help you. He wants to help you. It says he's our merciful and faithful high priest. He's merciful because he actually cares about us. He says, I see you sinning again and again and again, and I still want to forgive you. And he's faithful because again and again, no matter how many times it is, he is still faithful to forgive us and to help us in our time of need. Ooh. Jesus became lesser. He suffered to help us, to make us greater. What a great savior we have. How great is he? So which of those three aspects spoke to you today about him becoming lesser? Is it the fact that, that Jesus became human to adopt you, that he's not ashamed of you. Maybe you've been carrying around some shame. Maybe even your own family doesn't, doesn't like you, has re rejected you. If you need to feel that and you need to know that, that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother or sister, I want you to remember that. That's your identity. You are his adopted brother or sister. He loves you. He wants you. You're in his family. Don't forget that. Maybe you're here today though and, and you're suffering with that fear of death. You're getting older or, or feel like you're missing out on something. Maybe you're afraid to die. Be freed of that because Jesus died to give you new life, to free you from the power of death. Or, or, or maybe you're here and you're struggling through a trial or through sin and, and you need to hear the words of Jesus, that he has grace and mercy for you, that he loves you and wants to help you even at your lowest point because he gets you. This is why the greater became lesser, to make you greater, to lift you up, to help you in your time of need. So let's turn to Jesus right now and receive that grace and mercy we need. Lord God, we come to you. We are sinners. We, we struggle. We carry around shame, sometimes because of the voice of other people that have rejected us. Sometimes it's our own voice that we're ashamed of. Lord Jesus, in this moment, we call out to you and we're grateful that you became lesser on our behalf that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And Lord God, I pray for that person right now dealing with shame, that you would free them, 
that you would remove it from their heart, that they would know you love them right now. Lord, for the person who's fearing death, fearing aging, fearing missing out, would you give them a confidence in you that death is not the end, that there is hope beyond the grave? For those right now missing someone they love who has passed away, would you help them know deep in their heart that there is life on the other side of death, that there is hope and death is not the end for all who believe. And Lord Jesus, for those who are struggling in their sin or in their trial and they need help, they're at their lowest point. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help them right now, that they would feel your grace and your mercy unlike ever before. They would know in this moment that they are purified, they are spotless, that they are a holy child of you. Now with eyes still closed, I wanna tell you that all of these great promises, that the reason why Jesus became lesser, they are all dependent on your faith in Jesus. That you have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, to receive these promises, to receive this grace and mercy. So if you have never done that, I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. Because the scriptures do say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm gonna give you opportunity right now to make that call today through a simple prayer that you can repeat after me. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody around you who needs to pray this for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me, forgive me, take my shame away, help me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you and we actually have a book that we wanna pass you to just encourage you in your next steps of your faith journey. Um, so on the count of three, put your hand in the air and hold it up there. One, two, three. Put your hand high in the air if you made that decision today. Um, praise God, I see a hand over here. If we can bring, bring a book to this person. Lord God, let's celebrate with, with person making the decision. And Lord God, we're just so grateful that you save sinners like every single one of us. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your love. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just help us turn to you in our time of need and in every moment of every day. I pray, Lord God, that you're gonna bless those who are going public with their faith right now through baptism, that we can celebrate with them. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I'm Matt Wolf, lead pastor at Arise Church Denver, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus, and we wanna help you follow Jesus. Because of that, if you're newish, even if you're just checking us out online, go down below in the description and fill out that form at arisedenver.com new. And if this message has impacted you at all, please go to arisedenver.com give so that you can give back and help more people find out the message of Jesus Christ.